0: Well, if you know me, you know that I am a huge Superman fan. You say, what does that have to do with anything? Well, maybe nothing, but in a minute I hope it does make sense. But uh, yeah, I've, I've been a Superman fan since I was a little kid. I've loved Superman. And then it hit me that Superman is not the greatest superhero that ever was created. And you're probably thinking, yeah, that's because it's Batman. Batman is not The greatest superhero. Actually, Batman would be nothing without his money. Nothing. And think about this. He's called the Dark Knight. The Bible says men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. That tells you something about Batman right there. He's an evil man. (laughs) And nobody cares about Spider-Man. He's definitely not one of the greatest heroes. Him and his tights, he is a disgrace to the community of superheroes. No, Superman is the man. And then I realized that there is a greater superhero. And it's you, Mom. You say, that's so cliche. No, it's really true. You, you are a superhero. And I realized that growing up. And, you know, sometimes I overlooked it. Mom seemed unseen at times. But her superpowers were very evident. She, uh, she has super hearing My mom always had super hearing. She could hear things that I said that I never thought she heard. Uh, And then she would say, I know what you said. How could you know what I said? I know what you said. I know exactly what you said. And And my mom had x-ray vision. I I could be so far away from home with my my friends, 10 miles down the road, and I get home and she says, I know what you were doing. I know what you were up to. I know exactly what you were up to. And I'm thinking, how could you know I was 10 miles away? 10 miles away, and I know what you did, and I'm going to slap you 10 different ways too for what you did. And the fact is, I grew up with that superhero of a mom. And you, right now, you're a mom thinking to yourself, I have those powers. You have healing powers. You know how to help your children when they scuff their knee, when they hurt their hand, when they sprain an ankle. You know what to do. Some of you are odd superheroes. You put potions together called essential oils. (laughs) And you're like a... You're like, a, you're like this guru of essential oils, and you put them on there. It's like, Mom, my arm is nearly cut off, and essential oil will fix that. And you douse it with essential oils. And uh, what I love about my mom and my wife is the human GPS. Yeah. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's built into every mother. You know, my kids will be like, do you know where my hoodie is? Do you know where my coat is? Do you know where my pants are? Were they washed last night? My coat, I can't find it. And mom goes, it's in the hallway closet, behind the tote, in the back of the closet. It fell last night at 12 midnight. I knew. I knew it. I ask my wife all the time, where's my keys? She knows exactly where my keys are. They're on the third shelf down, fifth book over, in a little box where I keep my keepsakes. They're right there. Right there. I know they're there. My, my mommy senses. since They're there. They're like Spidey senses. She's a superhero. I, she knows everything everything because she's special she's unique um the one that i loved about my mom not really loved i look back and i think about it and i'm going that's pretty impressive is the fact my mom had this um the super ability to look at me with this death glare and literally i'd wet myself i mean immediately like this this is judgment You, you know judgment's about to happen because there was this glare in her eye and for my mom she, she had this little, like, uh, twitch under her right eye. My brother, Tony, is the lead pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church. And when we were growing up, we shared a room together. We'd stay up talking, and she'd get so frustrated. She had five kids, and she wanted us just to go to bed. So she'd lean on the door, and we would be in a conversation. And all I'd do is see this. I remember seeing the shadow of my mom. And the light would hit her. Just right, and I'd see that twitch. And she'd say, Who do you think you are? Staying up all hours of the night, go to bed. And I'd always blame my brother Tony for that, but I knew that glare. And I still, my wife has that glare still today. I'm not even her kid, and I fear her. It's funny, I'm 45 years old, and as you get older. Is this true? Y'all follow me? As you get older, you almost start reverting back to that time when you were 12, when you were a little kid, and you feel the same way when your wife looks at you like, I can't believe you just did that. I felt that way when my son got bit by a groundhog and nearly got bit by a copperhead. Bad decisions dads make because we're not superheroes. Where am I going with this? All right, I'm everywhere, right? right. I think, Mom, you have a superpower that you don't enjoy. It could probably be considered a curse. It's the superpower of invisibility. And the reason it could be a curse is because you're only invisible when you need to be seen. You're only invisible when you need to be noticed. So you're nothing like the Marvel superhero, the invisible woman, that chooses to be invisible when she wants to be invisible. You do not choose. You are invisible when you've done and gone above and beyond for your family and for your kids, and it is discouraging, and it's tough, and it's not really a superpower. I think it's like a curse, and it's an epidemic across the world, not just the United States. Moms everywhere are feeling this, and it, it's it's a problem. It's a big problem, and I believe The solution to the problem, the answer to the problem is in Genesis chapter 16. And there is three characters in Genesis chapter 16. Two are very prominent characters. One is referred to as Abram. We know him as Abraham later on in scripture. And then Sarai, who we know as Sarah later on in scripture. They're married, husband and wife, right? So Abram... We know him, Abraham, is the father of nation of Israel, the nation of Israel. This is a profound character in Scripture. He is called the father of faith. This man is not just any man. He is a profound man. He is a man of faith to the extent that he was in the hall of faith in God's word. And his wife, she's amazing as well. We know Sarah is the mother of the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. She is the, in the hallmark of faith. I mean, she was 90 years old, come on now, and had a baby. That was a miracle in itself. But to tolerate a child at that age, she needs a medal. She was amazing. And here's the reality. These women, this woman and this man, were so profound and so unique. We still talk about them today. But then there's a third character, Hagar. Who in the world is Hagar? Most of us don't even recognize the name Hagar. But she's found in Genesis chapter 16. Hagar seems to be this woman that is unnoticed, disregarded, forgotten. Somebody that we don't really, really, I mean, for the most part, we don't really know a whole lot about. But she's there. In her connection with Abraham... And Sarah is very unique. See, years prior to Genesis chapter 16, Abram and Sarai are going through Egypt. So Abram is not the brightest guy in the world. He has a lot of faith, but he's not the most intelligent. He had this idea that because his wife was beautiful, that he should say, this is my sister, not my wife, because one of the Egyptians are going to kill him and take her to be their wife, right? Not very bright. So, Pharaoh sees this beautiful woman named Sarai and thinks, that should be my wife. And since it's just a sister of Abram, why not? And then he's thinking, Abram, what did I just do? This did not work the way I thought it was going to work out. So, Pharaoh takes Sarai to be his wife. And so, God now has to step in because Abram messed everything up. See, see... Abram and Sarai are going to be the parents of the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes. This guy, this king, this pharaoh has nothing to do with God's plan. So God curses the pharaoh. And the pharaoh puts two and two together and realizes very quickly, wait a second, this isn't your sister. And your God made it very clear, this isn't your sister. This is your wife. And he confronts Abram and says, why didn't you tell me? Why did you do this? You've cursed us. You've cursed me. I want you to take her and get out of here. And to make sure all's good between me and you, we're going to give you gifts. This was a cultural thing. And one of the gifts that Pharaoh gave to Abram and Sarai was Hagar. She was the handmaiden. Now, this is interesting. She was a servant. That's just a nice way to say she was a slave. Now, Culturally, it may have been relevant, but biblically, it was wrong. And Abram should have known better, but he went ahead and went with it. Second mistake. Ten years later, we fast forward, and we're in the book of Genesis chapter 12, and God makes it very clear. Actually, it's not even ten years. It's just a short period of time. God makes it very clear. You, Sarai, are going to have a baby and through that, you're going to create a nation. You're going to birth a nation. And it doesn't matter how old you are. I'm going to fulfill this promise. I'm going to use you. I'm going to use your husband. And I'm going to do amazing things. Now we fast forward 10 years later, right? And we're in the book of Genesis chapter 16. And Sarai is not happy. Y'all still with me? Everybody follow me? We're just going through the history of God's word, right? She's like, man, I am not having a baby. Nothing's happening. This is not good. How are we going to have a family? So she goes to her husband and says, we need to do something. God, you ever been there where you feel like you've got to do something because God's not doing something in your time? So she says, here's an idea. Here they go with their ideas. Horrible ideas. I have a handmaid in Hagar. She could be the surrogate mother. You can have her as a second wife. Culturally, this seemed Okay. Biblically, it was dead wrong. So you know what Abram did? He probably would have stood up, right? And said, no, 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 no. This is wrong. God has a plan. I am a man of God and man of faith. We are not going to do this. No, he just said, okay. Okay. And then he has relations with this woman. Are you all following me? And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 16 and verse 3 that he went unto her and she conceived... And everything went wrong according to verse 4. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't go well. It never does when you get impatient and say, I'm going to do it my way. i got a plan. I'm going to go my way instead of God's way. And then everything falls apart. Well, Hagar realizes that she is not just a handmaid. She, she's carrying the child of Abraham, Abram. She has been empowered with motherhood. And Sarah, you, you ain't. And so everything shifted in this relationship. And so, so Hagar starts treating Sarai in a very inappropriate way. No respect, disregarded her. And so Hagar is pretty happy Sarai is not. So she goes to her husband and she says, Sarai says, Abram, this is your fault. Dad, you know how that feels? And he's thinking, what? Yeah, this was your fault. She's pregnant with your child. And now she don't respect me. And you, you need to figure this out. And he says, you know what? And she even puts it on God and says, maybe God can work through this. (laughs) He said, you know what we're going to do? I'm going to give her back to you as a handmaiden. You know, that's what I'm going to do. And you do with her as you please. And she did. And according to verse 6 of Genesis chapter 16, things went south. She mistreated Hagar in such a way that Hagar felt overwhelmed, misused, abused. She was back in the position of a servant instead of a mother. She was overwhelmed. She was mistreated. She was unseen. Now, I know that video seems to be fun And somewhat funny, but it is a reality. Moms do things and they're forgotten, they're overseen. And Hagar was that type of woman. She just had to get away. In verse 6, she ran away. Mommy, have you ever been to the place you're so overwhelmed? You're like, I got to get away. I got to get out of here. I can't take this anymore. Now, you physically may not leave your husband and leave your kids, but mentally you're shutting down. You're like, I can't can't take this anymore. I got to just get away. This is why women go to Target and walk around for hours without any money. Y'all follow me? Because they just got to get away. And sometimes it gets so desperate they go to Walmart. You know you're desperate if you got to walk around for hours at Walmart, especially if it's past 11 o'clock. The reality is, this is where she's at in life, and she just don't know what else to do. Now I'm going to tell you, when you get to this point in life and you run and you hide, and you shut down because you're broken, you feel like there's no hope. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of moms like that. A university study found out that moms are stressed because they're in constant overdrive. All the time, go, 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 go. They, they go to their jobs, and then they take care of their responsibilities, and then they, they come home, and then they start multitasking, dinner, laundry, kids, dishes, dogs and even dad you got a multitask dad did you remember to do this did you do this did you do that it's overwhelming and moms are feeling this stress and they feel like i just can't do this anymore studies show that moms multitask 10 and a half hours more than fathers do in a week she's clapping about that i don't know if that's true but i have to admit it probably is you know why because they're always forward thinking mom's forward think so this is not just an issue of multitasking. This is a mental aspect. This is mothers multi- multitasking their minds and their memory because they're thinking about the kid's birthday and they're thinking about the schedule and i got to get her from point A to point B and he needs to be in school at this time and I need to do this and the kid's homework and the pets and the kid's drama and all the problems with in-laws and oh yeah, in-laws, they're supposed to be coming for the holidays and i got a shopping list and I need to order this on Amazon and blah, 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 and by the time I'm done, I'm going to have anxiety, right? And here you are, overwhelmed and feeling inadequate. You said, David, are you going to ever get to the message? This is the majority of it, so that must feel good, right? Here's where it ha- This is where, where things went. She runs. She flees. She's in the middle of nowhere in the wilderness. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 16, something happened. In verse 12, she has an encounter with God. This encounter is so real, so powerful, it changed her for life. It was so powerful of an encounter, she literally gives God a name. A name that has been honored and recognized for generation after generation for over 3,000 years. Elroy, the Hebrew word that means, the God who sees me. Her encounter with God in the middle of the wilderness was so Powerful she said, You are Elroy, the God who sees me i 'm no longer forgotten. you see me, and for God to see me that 's greater than my kids, my husband my 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 my, 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 my family. this is what it 's all about you seeing me. now, how did she realize that God could see her? and I believe this is the reason why there's three things God did to let Hagar know that he could see her. Here it is, Genesis 16, verse 7. God sought her out. The angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness. Just a reminder, God is seeking you out, Mom, in the midst of your circumstances because He cares about you and He cares where you're at and what you're dealing with. He went to where she was This is one of the few times, if not the only time in Scripture, where you see God going out to find somebody that is fleeing. My question to you is this. Where are you, Mom? Right now, where are you? Where are you in your life? Because she was in a place that was without direction. Do you feel like you have no direction and you don't know what to do next? When it comes to your kids, when it comes to your husband, she was in a wilderness in the middle of nowhere and it was dark. And I know moms go through this a lot. They will deal with this darkness and it just creeps in and it starts to overwhelm them. And if they don't stand up and say, I know my God is on my side and step back and realize that, they will be consumed with that ugly darkness and it will overcome them. And here she is in the middle of nowhere. And God sought her out. He went to where she was. That's funny to me because she's like a little kid. I can't take this anymore. I'm going to run away. And God the Father is looking at her going, I'm going to let her run. I'm going to let her run. And then, and then, I'm going to go after her. Because if I let her go and then go after her, then she'll realize that I sought her out. And I did it because I love her. You ever had one of your kids say, I'm running away, Mom. I'm running away. You ever had a kid like that? Did you let him? Yeah. Yeah, you know why you let them? Because you wanted them to run away for them to realize this wasn't a good idea. Then you went after them. My friend Chad Gamble, he's got a little a little bitty dude. I mean, he's just tiny. He got fed up. My friend Chad, he's a pastor in Anderson, uh, North Carolina, or is that South Carolina? And he's one of our supporting churches. And he said, I saw the video. I'm going to show you the video. He, he let them go. Check this out. It's kind of like Hagar. <laughs> No more love. More from you? No more loving Did you pack shoes? Yes. Did you pack clean underwear? Uh, yeah, he has underwear. You have uh, to have your own underwear. You give some. <laughs> I'm not going to get your underwear so you can run away. No, for his underwear. <laughs> Did you pack a toothbrush? No. I can I can
1: use use can't phone.
0: use his toothbrush. You can't use his toothbrush. you got to have your own. he's really running away barefooted with no clean underwear (laughs) (laughs) Anderson you are not going anywhere get over here there's a car get over here right now (laughs) (laughs) sit right here in the grass you sit in the grass (laughs) and then she says this is so embarrassing I think God wants us to get to a point where we've run so far that we think we're doing the right thing until we get to a point that we realize, what have I just done? I'm in the, in the middle of nowhere in my mind, in my heart, and I don't know where to go from here. I feel lost. And then God showed up. And the angel of the Lord found her. Where do you find her? By a fountain in the way of Shur. Now, this is interesting. Shur is in the Bible for a reason. This location is south. Southbound. Why? Why is that important? Because it's the same direction of Egypt. She was probably going back to what she knew. She was going to go back to Egypt. She'd rather be in slavery in Egypt than be in that toxic situation with Abram and Sarai. But let me tell you something. This is very important to understand. Be careful what you run to when things go wrong. Be very careful to consider this. Sometimes running from our problems leads to bigger problems. And when God sees us get to a certain place, he steps in and says, listen, I'm seeking you out because I want you to know I love you, Mom. And I know you feel defeated and I know you feel alone and, I feel, and you feel like you're all by yourself in the middle of the no, in nowhere. But I see you. And God sought her out. God wanted her to see him and his love and his care is a father. Amen. He's seeking you too. And I know you may not feel like that. And maybe you're not a mom. Maybe you need to understand God's seeking you out where you're at in your life right now too. Don't beat yourself up thinking, I am so lost. I am emotional I'm on an emotional roller coaster. I don't know if I'm going to stay married. I don't know if my kids will ever talk to me again. I don't know if my grandkids love me. I don't know if they despise me because I'm never around. I feel just so messed up. I want you to know that God sees you in your circumstances. And God is seeking you out and he loves you and he's seeking you out because God wants to call you out. He wants to show you where you're at. And I believe that's the next thing that she understood about God. God called her out according to Genesis chapter 16, verse 8. And he said, Hagar! He called her by her name. Sarai's maid, Whence camest thou and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarai. I can't do this anymore. She is an awful, horrible woman. And he said, Well... I know you, and I know you by name. You know why that's so important? Because this is an Egyptian woman. This is not a Christian woman. She wasn't a woman that believed in God. She followed the principles and the teachings and the doctrine of the Egyptian people. She only knew tangible gods that she could feel and see. And now, there's a God calling me out by my name? (laughs) <laughs> Let me tell you something. Have you ever got to the point in your life as a mom that you feel like not only have your kids, your husband, your family overlooks you, oversees you, you're invisible, but you got to the point also that you feel like God don't even know who you are? You know how important it is to call somebody by their name? I'm horrible with names, awful with names. I always say, What's up, bud? Hey, man. What's up, bro? Hey, sister. You know, because I forget names. But when somebody calls you by your name, what's up, Victor? What's up, bro? Stephen? Yeah. It stands out. You know why? Because they just said my name. That's powerful. I go to Starbucks this morning. I go there so often. They know my voice. And they said, is this Dave? Dave? Should you be here? Haven't you had five shots already of espresso? Dave. And they know me. Let me tell you something. You're not forgotten. God knows you. He knows you by name. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Bible refers to God as the shepherd, the great shepherd. And he knows his sheep. John chapter 10 and verse 14 says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. Let me remind you, Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5 says, He knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. So don't tell me he don't know you. Don't tell me he don't see you. Don't tell me that your circumstances are so great, so hard, so overwhelming that God doesn't know where you're at because he does. And mom, let me tell you something. This is so powerful. He knows so much about you. He knows your circumstances. He knows your flaws. He knows the blessings in your life. He knows the things you're good at and things you're not good at. He even knows how many hairs are on your head. He's got them counted in the lack thereof. He, he knows how many you lost over time because he's God. That is a God that came into her life and called her out. The Bible says, he said to her, Whence camest thou, and whither wilt thou go? That's just old English to say, where you been and where you going? What's going on? What are you doing? He only called her out by her name, but he called her out for what she was doing. What? what are you doing? What do you think you're doing? Do you think it's the right thing to do? Do you think this is the answer for your life and where you're at? And here's the thing. It's not that he didn't know where she was or where she's going. It wasn't that at all. He just wanted her to know, I know. I, I, I know where you're at. I know where you've been. I know where you are, and I know where you're going. And I want you to know that I know. I see you. I'm going to call you out for it, and I want you to understand. Mom, I want you to know that God knows exactly what your circumstances are and what you're dealing with. He knows where you've been, what you've been through, where you are and where you're going because he sees you and he's going to call you out and say listen to me I know you you got to hear me and then he helped her out I love this he didn't just stop there and say I'm going to seek you I'm going to call you but I'm going to help you and he called her out in verse 9 and the angel of the lord said unto her return to thy mistress and spit thyself under her hand what I would have said immediately at that point are you are you crazy You want me to go back to that toxic situation and bow the knee to that horrible woman. You are out of your mind. And instead, she didn't say that at all. She heeded to the voice of God. And here's the reason why, according to verse 10, And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. What what does that mean? That just means you're not just going to have one kid, two kids, three kids. You're going to have so many, there's going to be a multitude. And let me tell you, the greatest treasure of an Old Testament mother was not just to be the mother of one, but the mother of many. Now, that might be a curse today, (laughs) The angel's like, you gotta go back to that horrible woman, and plus, you're gonna have a lot of babies. A lot of babies. <laughs> I would be like, Are you are you crazy? No, this, this was a beautiful opportunity for her to realize wait a second, I am a mom with a purpose, and God is gonna help me fulfill my purpose. I have a reason in my son. Ishmael is not going to be just any boy. He's going to be a mighty nation. God's going to bless him, and I'm going to be the mother of it. But the only way it's going to work is to submit to God's will instead of her will. And watch, this is important. The submission to Sarah was was important because it preserved social order, but also it acknowledged that this child was to be born of Abram. Abram was the one that was promised. Promised to be the father of the nation of Israel. Everything started with Abram, but she was a key part of this. Something awful happened for her to be in this position, but God takes things that are awful and makes beautiful things out of that. And when she realized that God was going to fulfill this promise through here... Through her, she was willing to go through some things, to learn some things so she could accomplish some things. And I believe that's where you are. Maybe as a mom, you're realizing right now, God is trying to help me. He sought me out. He's called me out. And now he's trying to help me out. And the only way I can heed to that is to submit to whatever it is he wants me to do, regardless of how hard it's going to be. And let me tell you, it's going to be hard. Now, a lot of people don't talk about this when they mention Ishmael. But the very next verse, we see that that it's brought to light that this is not going to be a normal kid. Y'all follow me? The Bible actually reference him as a wild donkey. you got to love the Old Testament language. A wild donkey. In other words, he's going to be an, he, he's going to be an awful kid. And he, everybody's going to bow up against him. He's going to be disrespectful and rebellious. You think that helped, that hindered her? No, she's like, that's okay. I'm the mother of Ishmael. I can handle it. And sometimes we have moms that we look at and go, how, how do you deal with that physical issue that your son has? How do you deal with that mental issue that your daughter's dealing with? How do you handle that? I'll tell you how they handle it is because God chose them to be the mother of that child. You were meant to have that kid, regardless of what that kid goes through at times, because you are empowered by God to be the mother that child needs. So the next time you say, I don't understand why my daughter's cutting. I don't understand why my, my son is dealing with this issue or this mental issue. I know that you were meant to handle it because God loves you, cares about you, sees where you're at, and he's empowered you to do things that probably no other mother could do. That's, right. That's your kid. Say, so I know. No, no, perk up. That's your kid. And that kid is going to change the world, but it's up to you if you're willing to submit to God's will and follow through. You know what the verse says in verse 11? The angel says, Behold, thou art with a child, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael. And here's the thing, because the Lord hath heard thy afflictions. He's saying this, watch. You will be okay. You will have this baby, because God has seen where you're at, and He knows what you're going through. That's why it's all going to work out. This was a big deal for Hagar. Let me remind you again. She was an Egyptian slave and all she knew is of the gods of Egypt that were just statues and idols for a god to speak directly to her, to seek her out, to call her out and be willing to help her out. This is a big deal. And it's at that moment in the very next verse as we follow scripture, she says, The name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. You are the God, Elroy, that sees me. And not only that, she goes a step further. I see you. I see you for who you are. I see you for the fact that you're not just any God. You're a God that sought me out. You're a God that called me out. You know me by name, and you're a God that wants to help me out. And there ain't no God in Egypt that has ever done something like that. You are the God I will serve, and I will submit to whatever you put in my path because I know some big things are going to happen in Genesis chapter 17. And it's only because you see me. Yes. God sees you. And if you're not a mom, God sees you too. That's so I don't know where you're at and what you're going through, but I do know this you're not alone you're not on you're you're not forsaken you're not forgotten god loves you he sees you and he wants to help you and i want to challenge you to do this if you are not a believer in jesus christ you're not a christian let's just be blunt you've never put your faith in jesus christ you went through the motions right you know you say well i know there's a god you acknowledge here but there's nothing here then you missed it you missed it we trust god with our hearts And let me tell you this. God is seeking you out. He loves you. He loves you for where you're at, no matter what you've been through. And He wants you to accept Him as His Savior. And I'm challenging you right now, if you've never done that, and there's so many people in here today that have made it a point where you've prayed and asked Jesus Christ in your life, and you've given your life to Christ. And you do that once. You don't keep on doing that. You understand? You're born in the family of God once, and then you just develop a relationship with Him. But maybe there's some here that have never done that. You're not a Christian. And I'm asking you right now where you're at in your seat, will you give your life to Jesus Christ and allow Elroy, the God that sees you, to be a part of your life, just like he wants to control and develop and, and change your family in a good, positive way, he wants to do the same for you in a personal way.